1: believes we can and is working with a whole wonderful network of people um, who also believe that we can make, make it better for others. And uh, that's because we are now moving in to a new topic uh, with the catch. And uh, we're, we're going to leave the 12 steps behind. Hopefully, we'll keep keep going back because you can never get too much of that. Um, but we're going to move on to uh, what we're calling a uh, red-letter review. And we're going to look into some of the words of Jesus that, uh, you know, we believe a lot of Christians have Not really looked into that carefully or maybe never heard about Um, And uh, we're So we're delving into this we're delving into The 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 red letter Bible um, Because it gives us Strictly the words of Jesus in red letters and We're going to we're going to Go in there and see what we can find. And um, it's already been very fruitful for us uh, since we started this um, just uh, a few days ago. But uh, today, as a guest, uh, we are so happy to have um, a man who is the Executive Director of Red Letter Christians, and we'll be finding out. Obviously, quite a bit more about that, but uh, I want you to welcome to The Catch on Blog Talk Radio, Don Golden, Executive Director of Red Letter Christians. Welcome, Don.
0: Greetings. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for having us, for your interest, and love to talk to anybody, especially those uh, committed to the Red Letters.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is exciting. Um Don, tell us just a little bit about yourself and um, how you ended up being involved um, with Red Letter Christians.
0: Happy to. I, I am a, a lifelong evangelical. I went to an evangelical church and high school and college and became an evangelical missionary and worked with uh, World Relief, which is owned by the National Association of Evangelicals, and uh, worked with World Vision um, in those roles, I traveled to more than seventy countries, working with local churches in areas of human conflict and post disaster and uh, aids response and um, In that process, I began to recognize the
1: um, um,
0: systemic underpinnings to uh, of uh, social injustice and to recognize that um, the powers and principalities were not just uh, exciting um, angel stories that Frank Peretti and others could tell, but that they, that evil is truly structured in the nature of our society, and that as um, as evangelicals we have to engage a whole gospel, the individual broken human and the collective broken system, and that the gospel in the coming kingdom is about um, freedom and liberation on both of those levels. And so uh, I fell into a group of other evangelicals and post-evangelicals who are engaged in that same uh, work, and um, that led me to Red Letter Christians.
1: Wow. Well, tell us now, then, um, Red Letter Christians has been in existence... uh, we said for about 12 years. Um, w- where did that come from? And tell us primarily, uh, what it is and who's involved and what you're doing. <laughs> Great.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the name, um, uh, comes from actually a, from our friend, Jim Wallace, who was being interviewed on a radio station, a country music radio station in Nashville, Tennessee. And he was describing some of the things I was just talking about, about, uh, You know, not all evangelicals are defined about what they are against, but um, many of us are for what Jesus talked about, uh, engaging the poor and uh, being committed to the least, the marginal, the sick, um, those who uh, religion and um, political power marginalizes. Um, And uh, in that conversation, the, the DJ said, you know, my mother, my grandmother had a Bible on her coffee table that uh, had all of Jesus' words in red letters. It sounds to me like you guys are red-letter Christians. And that was the first time Mm -hmm. that we heard that, and um, Jim shared it with uh, Tony, and in good evangelical style, Tony stole it from Jim and started uh, Red Letter (laughs) Christians together with our friend Shane Claiborne. And Tony is sort of uh, one of the grandfathers of evangelical social justice, and Shane Claiborne is the next generation um, of, of you know, evangelical social justice, radical activists. Um, they are the co-founders, Shane and Tony. Um, but the network is, uh, it, it's really two things, Red Letter Christians. Um, it is a media platform with our blog, redletterchristians.org, and a podcast, and we have daily content that is always bringing the words of Jesus into engagement with um, issues that matter today especially issues that matter for the poor and marginal Um, uh, so it is that media platform but it is also a network uh, uh, of communicators authors and writers who meet by invitation only every December Uh, about 60 of us get together every December and we always go somewhere to discuss something with someone so two years two Decembers ago we went to Montgomery Alabama to meet with Brian Stevenson, to hang out with him, to talk about uh, criminal, the criminal justice system, the death penalty, the amazing museum that he's about to open up, which is going to be an incredible event, getting a lot of uh, media. Jay-Z is going to be there. I, I believe it's going to be an incredible thing what he's doing down in Montgomery to acknowledge the 4,000 or more lynchings that took place in the 20th century. Um, and to begin to challenge the iconography of the South to tell the real and full story of America's heritage of slavery and oppression to begin to change the narrative. Uh, so that was two years ago. And then last year, and particularly in this era of a more virulent and toxic evangelicalism that has its always been there, but it has emerged in full force um, over the last year and a half, many of our networks. Um, many are uh, people of color, uh, marginalized uh, activists, tired and frustrated and um, needing some encouragement. We went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and met with uh, Father Richard Rohr at the Center for Action and Contemplation.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: and really, we wanted not only to learn about, but to practice um prayer and con- contemplative deeply rooted prayer as the basis for social activism so that we can bring peace into the world, even when uh, sometimes we're doing work that's confrontive. confronted. Uh, so that, that network has grown over the years. We're about 200 uh, activists and writers and authors um, that are loosely affiliated with our, uh, with our blog. They publish on our blog. They, um, But then recently, we took another step in Lynchburg, Virginia, April 6th and 7th. We held our first Red Letter Revival uh, right there on the doorstep of the Falwell Empire, uh, bringing Christians together to uh, hear the public preaching of the Red Letters of Jesus. And um, we plan to do more of those. A lot of media attention that you can just Google Red Letter Revival Lynchburg, and you'll see some uh, really wonderful and important conversation about how these red letters confront uh, some of the toxic Christianity that's growing up in America today.
1: Okay. All right. Let's, you kicked over uh, a bunch of cans here. Let's, let's get down (laughs) a little deeper then into when you say preaching of the, of, of the red letters of Jesus, what does that mean? What, what, what are, what do the, the main, what are the main points that seem uh, you seem to be hitting on um, when you talk about uh, the preaching of, of, of Jesus?
0: Sure. Let, let me, uh, let me tackle one of the criticisms that comes up often. People don't like the sort of, Uh, They they get too literalistic, which I think has been a a long-time problem in evangelicalism. Um,
1: Mm -hmm. Red-letter
0: Christians, oh, you're against the black letters, and that is absolutely not the case. Um, You know, (laughs) if you're in a a liturgical church, John, you, you hear the reading of the text, and when the Gospels are read, you stand. Do you stand because you're against the Old Testament or you're against the... Uh, letters of Paul or that you're not equally for them. No, you stand because good Orthodox theology, Christian theology, always holds Jesus and Jesus' words and teaching and life as the primary hermeneutic for understanding the text. Uh, Paul is constantly doing that. He, he calls the rock that gave forth water in the desert Christ. He, he reads Christ back into the text, and it makes the Bible makes sense so that's what we do and what we're simply saying is that you can make as my dad likes to say uh you can you can make the bible say anything he'll tell me don't don't the bible at me you can make the bible say anything and actually people have made it defend slavery and every every. Uh, i'm sure it's it's been used to defend about everything and that's why we we start with the life and the words and the ethic and the actions of Jesus as the lens by which we understand biblical truth and even the world that we live in. So that's the primary basis. Uh, I, I, in fact, I think as we do this, we begin to see that, wow, you know, Paul was doing the same thing. He was always looking at the old Testament through the lens of Christ and actually, Rather than break us apart from Paul and do what a lot of even progressives do to juxtapose Jesus and Paul, uh, it actually begins to reconcile us and to help us understand that that's also what Paul was doing, is elevating Jesus. So that's the first. That's that's what we're not doing, elevating or disregarding the black letters of the Bible. But what Mm -hmm. we are doing is just trying to sit as disciples at the feet of Jesus, at the at the edge of um, uh, the mountain, the mountain where he where he sat down and um, gave the, the sermon on the mountain, the beatitudes, the sort of the the the, the marrow of the gospel, um, the, the sermon on the mountain, the beatitudes. I mean, just that first sentence
1: of the beatitudes:
0: yep. "Blessed are the poor in spirit." That's not just a throwaway line. That is. That is a definition of the meaning of the universe. You know, it is a, it's a hearkening mm. back to Genesis 1-2 when the Spirit of God hovers over the waters of chaos. You know, this picture that mm. what it means to be a person of faith, to believe in the, the God of Yahweh, the God of the Bible, is that there is a God, there is a force, a personal force, that is going to move history towards a flourishing reality for all of the created order, including humanity. And that, that in some ways, the poor are a barometer of spiritual authenticity. When the poor have the gospel preached to them, in other words, when the poor thinks there's good news in town, then that is good news indeed. And, um, you know, like when, when John the Baptist began to waver, and he sent his disciples to Jesus to say, Are you the one? Jesus said, Go tell John what you see. The poor have the gospel preached to them. So just that we, we could live in just Matthew 5, 3, hmm. the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor. Today's tax code that we're celebrating, blessed are the rich. That is, that is what our tax code it's a it is a faith statement mm-hmm. in a, a worldview that says prefer the rich and the blessings will trickle down to the poor and that's the way it is that's the order that mm-hmm. that, that God has for life and it is exactly uh, opposite to the simplest teaching of Jesus um, you know mm-hmm. and this it, as an evangelical concept is not is not a new idea. Interestingly, in 1947, Carl Henry, the first editor of Christianity Today, wrote Billy Graham and challenged the prevailing view that capitalism was the only the only way. Um, this, this, Christians and even evangelicals have always provided a prophetic window into social structures, and evangelicals today have been so thoroughly co-opted that they've lost that prophetic edge. So Mm. we as red letter Mm. Christians just want to take us back to that very simple teaching of Jesus, Um, not to take it literally, but to take it seriously, to take it seriously, that, that it comes to us as the marrow of the gospel and that, um, that our public policy as, as uh, democratic citizens of the most powerful nation and history and to be the church in America is to be the most well-resourced church in the history of the Christian mission. If we were to take Jesus's word seriously, if Jesus actually meant the things that he said, we would live differently, we would vote differently, we would demand different things of both political parties, and we would be a prophetic force on behalf of the gospel for the poor. So that's one of the implications of what it means to be a red letter Christian.
1: Hmm. Um, Social justice uh, Is something that keeps uh, Coming up As being a major Theme Mm. And um, Draw the connection a little bit More for us between Social justice and the words Of Jesus Why, Why is that an obvious Why is that an obvious connection And how have we missed it Uh, for so long yeah. you know if you if you read the words
0: of jesus and you read the narratives of jesus uh, and you and you try to sit with it even just as good literature in other words you catch the narrative what is this text saying you realize that they didn't kill jesus for his atonement theory It wasn't just what he was saying about heaven someday and about how to get there that they got angry with him. In fact, if he was only teaching atonement theory, as you would almost believe from American evangelicalism, it's really about how to be saved, how to have personal salvation, how to be morally empowered, and how to be secure for heaven someday. Uh, Mm -hmm. If that were the case, Christ would not have been executed. He was executed because he challenged not only a coercive government, but a compromised religion in collusion with a coercive government. And so much of what Jesus was doing was upending those power structures. Now, one of the challenges that we have today is that in Jesus' day, He was under the boot heel. So he was showing us and teaching us how to live sacrificial love as victim under the boot heel. Today, we wear the boot. Americans wear the boot. I'm 50 years old, and we have fought two major wars of choice, as in, we don't have to do this war for our own survival. We will do this war for our ideology, for our fear, for our teleology of history, for our domino theory, for our hegemony, whatever. And, you know, twice we've fought wars of choice. And usually Christians, either through silence or in the, the case of the last 20 years, 15 years, uh, we've given direct theological cover to preemptive war, unthinkable, unimaginable. There's there's no time in the past history of evangelicalism that that evangelicals would be so soulless and so bought off and sold out to political power that we would give theological cover to wars of choice. You know, the one who made the eye sees a million Vietnamese dead, sees 600,000 Iraqis dead. The, the one who made the ear hears the cry of toppled sovereign nations in the Middle East and mass movements of harassed human beings across Europe and sees that hears and sees that we've received only 11 Syrian refugees, even though we are the primary cause of that conflict. Those are realities that we that we own. That's at the macro social justice level. On the on the domestic level, you know, we look at schools. Uh, Secretary of Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos is a committed evangelical Christian, and yet, and, and I know that she seeks to act consistently with that. Evangelical with her evangelical faith, and yet she is systematically undermining the hope of especially black and brown folks, but also the rural poor and millions of Americans who depend on a much more robust public school system to have any kind of hope for a future, uh, with $9 billion being cut in this recent tax uh, maneuvering. Um, here where I am in Baltimore, for example, there is literally no horizon of hope for this generation and the coming generation of young people dependent on those schools. So when you are wearing the boot heel, in other words, when you are the hegemony, when you are Rome, the imperial Mm -hmm. power, as we are today, which by the way, there is nothing wrong with power and wealth. Power and wealth is given, as you see frequently in the, in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. especially, power and wealth is given to uphold justice and righteousness. So America's many great blessings could be celebrated and potentially even kept for future generations if we were willing to spend it on behalf of the weak and the poor and a more, soci- a more just social arrangement. But in fact, we have bewitched ourselves through many many uh well actually in two specific ways the myth of scarcity and the myth of redemptive violence two fundamental biblical lies that have captivated american evangelicalism and removed us from social engagement
1: wow well you've given us an incredible context here for um for getting involved and um uh, i you know is is there a, is there hope <laughs> is there hope for for christians to to uh disengage with with all of this um wrong thinking that we've gotten into with politics and and uh and, and wars as as you've mentioned and and other things and get back you know what does it look like to you
0: yeah. You know, I think in, the, in some ways your question could be rephrased to say, uh, is there a Savior? You know, um, it, it, in some ways your question begs that deeper question, who is Jesus? Um, because if Jesus is not just for personal moral redemption, but that through Jesus personal moral redemption is for social liberation. In fact, what Paul calls the reconciliation of all things. That even includes the environment. Mm. There is no question that there is hope because, again, it's like saying, do you believe in God? Did God have a son? Did that son come for the redemption of all things? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't believe that anymore. You know, we, we truly don't. We progressives don't believe it, so we're angry and we're frustrated. And we we conservatives don't believe it, which is why we protect everything we have with fire. Uh, there's this amazing song by the band Rage Against the Machine. Jesus blessed us with his future, and we protect it with fire. You know, that's the conservative view. Really, through God's blessing, we've been given a kingdom Um it's this kingdom by the way it it lives well in the suburbs it's diminishing for many but it's being preserved by a few so let's protect it that is the nihilism of the right but there is a nihilism of the left that out of anger and frustration and fear and you know many progressives have lost faith in the red letters they don't believe that resurrection is real they don't see that dead things can live again so is there hope um God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, as the old evangelicals say. You know,
1: turn, give
0: your, give your life to Jesus. Come, meet Jesus. That's, that is mm-hmm. what we're mm-hmm. saying. Come, you know, that's why we held a revival. We didn't hold a conference. We held a red letter revival. We, in the spirit of the second great awakening, we want a third great awakening. We want to meet Jesus. We want liberals to be reminded that dead things live again, and we want conservatives to remember that. This kingdom isn't the, the end and the final. Uh, the one that Jesus has proclaimed is defined by the flourishing of those in the margin. And so, yeah, um, but, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is gather people, gather Christians who feel alienated on the mm-hmm. right and the left together, almost like penguins of the polar cap, giving heat and warmth to one another to say, Yes, we have to believe in Jesus. What other hope do we have? What 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 other eschatological future is there other than this coming radical kingdom that uh, we hold out for and try to live in its reality today?
1: Hmm. Well, wow. when you look at um uh, young people, well let's take millennials and down, you know, Gen Z, um is there hope there? Uh, do they uh, We're seeing that a lot of millennials uh, Seem to be um, Seeking uh, More Of the right things um, do, you, do you see Do you see that as happening As yes. young people are getting back to yeah. Back to what Jesus Is all about
0: Yes I, I do I, I think that there is a um, A youth full um i don't want to say naivety because it sounds that sounds negative but uh simplicity or openness as as you know children are as younger people are so there's new wine and you see it in the open affirmation of the lgbtq christian you know who are it's just sort of taken at face value oh you're gay and you're christian yeah talk to me about the quality of your Christianity, not the binary, can you be in or out? Um, That's an old Mm -hmm. question. The the new question is not, that horse has already left the barn and millennials are just more naturally engaging with it, but on on many issues. I think the structural challenge, however, is the sort of new wine and old wineskin. I think we have to uh, work with our... Millennial constituents, brothers and sisters, to create new structural arrangements for um, both the political secular world we live in, but also how we do church. You know the megachurch phenomenon. I was the uh, lead pastor of Mars Hill Bible Church for three years with Rob Bell when it was mm-hmm. a seven, eight thousand member church, and there is something that is contrary in the megachurch model for um being uh, adjusting to new ways in the world, primarily around the issues of economics. we need new economic models for funding ministries, for sustaining local churches for um, uh, for being the alternative people of God uh, and I think if we don't do that, I do worry that, This new, this young generation will be forced to sort of fall in line with older structural forms that, by the way, are really straining and really decaying and really struggling to exist in the manner of the former generation. But without those new forms, um, I think we threaten to almost by want of habit to back into forms and you know this is the issue of structural evil where good people do evil things because they engage in structural forms that perpetuate that self perpetuate the whole corporate structure Mm. you know that, that only shareholders benefit and not even Adam Smith when Adam Smith is read thoughtfully would subscribe to the unthinking view of capitalism that exists today at the expense of the general welfare instead of for its benefit. So what are, what are new forms? Um, You know, one of the great writers of our generation who's still, you know, prolific in, in challenging these issues and presenting prophetic imagination to, uh, to our generation is Walter Brueggemann writing uh, about what he calls the prophetic imagination that is the courage to believe that new ways are possible and that's you know, new ways of economics new ways of social justice new ways of racial equanimity um, so all of that to say we need to uh, really listen and harness this younger generation's ethic the the whole youthful response to gun violence that will have none of the old forms of shut up you know the one of their own young women—I can't remember her name—who stands up and gives a speech and vomits in the middle of her speech. You know, it's sort of like fire and puke. You know, these young people are just seeing mm. that there must be a different way, and we need that. But together, mm. we have to be creative to to establish and develop new forms that provide um, a new a new wine skin for this new wine.
1: Wow. Uh, well, this is this is fantastic, Don. You have uh, really opened up um, some wonderful new thinking for us uh, already. What we we got a just one more question at the end here. What do we do if um, we want to find out more about um, being a red letter Christian? What uh,
0: what yeah, we well, do? you know, this Red Letter Christians is a movement, and one of the benefits of it is if you take Jesus' word seriously, you become a Red Letter Christian. You can be us. You can talk him. You can put our put our name on your on your card, you know, write, write us, and we'll give you uh, our letterhead. I mean, we, this is really just a way of saying we want to take Jesus' word seriously. Um, you mm-hmm. can go on our website, mm-hmm. redletterchristians.org, and take the pledge. It's just a simple way of, of, of framing a shared commitment that we have uh, to to live out the way of Jesus together um, and and to be in fellowship together, uh, a way of dedicating our life to Jesus anew. So take the red letter pledge, um, you know, check in daily to our, our content. We've got a lot of great original content and then we, we curate a lot of other good content to make sure that, uh, that we are developing our consciousness, that we're really building, not just trying to take mm-hmm. people from the right to the left, but creating a new consciousness. And then, um, you know, we, we, uh, we, w- we want people to join us uh, at the Red Letter Christian events, especially the revivals that will come up. We, we're looking to go to Dallas next. Um, so, you know, you can watch our uh, website for uh, details about uh, Red Letter Revival Dallas. Um, but join us. Be part of the movement. Write us. Talk to us about what Jesus is doing in your life and how you are living out the way of Jesus. Um, aspiring writers can find a place on our blog for uh, publishing content. Our editor, uh, Elena Ramsey, will work with, with, uh, with you. We, this is not about uh, fame and power. This is about authentically living out the words of Jesus. So we, we love to see uh, new writers or young writers. Uh, come on board. Um, We also, you know, you can become a a red letter sustainer, just a little bit of money uh, each month just to help us uh, make this thing happen. So we are a community, we're a movement. And through the website, uh, there are a number of different ways that you can join.
1: Fantastic. Don, I can't thank you enough for uh, spending some time with us tonight. And uh, this was uh, so helpful. And, and, and a wonderful way to begin our look into the the red letters of Jesus. So, um, great, thank John, you. It's my so my privilege.
0: Much. I really really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to do so.
1: Okay, beautiful. All God right. bless you, Don. God bless. Thank you. And you. Yeah. And bye you. bye.
0: Bye bye.
1: Well, there you go, folks. Uh, that was really cool, and what a perfect beginning to our. Subject. I hope you look up. I hope you go to redletterchristians.org and check this out. Um, and uh, boy, uh, Don got into some uh, wonderful areas here that I hope we can start to explore uh, how much we have as Christians been co opted by the world around us and, and not hearing. The words of Jesus And not doing what Jesus did um, Boy That's that's a that's a big one for me And I think needs to be a big one For all of us So um, stick with us This is going to be a great topic And uh, we couldn't have Begin it, done it Any better than this so, that. Keep up with the cats. I love Christian.